You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis along with the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Ben, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And well. the uh, once again rescued Lieutenant <laughs> Commander Aurora Babalu. This time uh, captured by the the Baul, but uh, yeah. Ben's rescue mission uh, a success, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, hopefully this week. Nobody gets stranded or teleported anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander, Commander, I just got one question that wasn't in your report from that. Are they sticky? They looked sticky. The baul. <laughs> yeah, they look sticky. <laughs> they look sticky. They're not. Oh, okay. Really? <laughs> I mean, their hair. Their hair kind of looked like it was stuck in one position. I just presume. I, I thought too that they would be very gooey. Hmm. Yeah. Would you anyway, describe yeah, it as more no. of a silky feeling? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of pleasant, actually. <laughs> They're very <laughs> deceptive, those yeah. bowl. Uh So uh, it's a it's a it's a hazardous line of work uh, mm-hmm. being in Starfleet and also podcasting about it sometimes, as we've learned this season. So uh, yeah. we'll tread lightly as we talk about Star Trek Discovery season two, episode seven, Light and Shadows. Uh, before I talk about it real quick, uh, I guess we should note uh, that the show's been renewed for a third season. Yeah. It did not take long, and uh, they, they got to be doing something right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, here's to more discovery. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, they cap off this season, knowing that they're heading in for a third. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to try to to go through what happened in this week's episode. So we are still hanging outside of Canamar after uh, setting the, uh, the Kelpians free. And this is also right after the red angel vanished after saving the day. Uh, and we're now pretty sure this is some sort of time travely humanoid of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that, some sort of byproduct of his his leap into this place uh, because a rift in space-time appears outside of Kaminar. Kaminar? I don't remember how it's pronounced. It's one of those things. And uh, what's really important, uh, you guys, is a time rift appears. Uh, and they send a probe into it, but the probe 
becomes one of those squiddy things from the Matrix somehow? <laughs> Did it get futurized? <laughs> what happened? Uh, yeah. it, it got futurized and attacked them. Uh, meanwhile, this is a, a complete aside from what's going on on Discovery. Uh, Michael decides she needs to go back to Vulcan. She does. Uh, the weird thing is that she says she hasn't spoken to her mother in a while. And I'm like, dude, she was on the show like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> what is the time difference between these episodes? Is it like six months between episodes? <laughs> like She was just there. Anyway, she goes back to Vulcan and she learns that, uh, well, her mom knows more than she let on when she talked to Michael last because she has Spock. Spock is there, sort of. Uh, he's hidden away, and he's lost his Vulcan marbles, going crazy, just reciting numbers and the whatever it is, the first uh, whatever the first passage and the whatever it is, like the uh, the book of Vulcan logic or something. He he keeps repeating the same phrase over and over again, and a bunch of numbers. Um, also, somehow, Ben, this is where you're going to have to step in, because uh, I actually forgot. I know at one point, Sarek shows up, and he's like, how could you keep this from me? Uh, but then my mind went a blank, and somehow Michael and Spock are on the Section 31 ship. And I don't even know yeah. how this happened. How did this happen? I don't I, know how uh, it happened either. Um, okay, so basically, he uh, Sarek says, well, okay, can't go back kind of through the regular route. Uh, mm-hmm, there's only yes. one one organization that's going to help you ah. at all, and that's Section 31. And the reason that the reason why Michael had to take him back rather than anyone else was slightly odd, because his line is, um, effectively, you've got to do this because it puts your career in jeopardy again. I'm not quite sure why those two... I, I may have been being thick. I will say this is symptomatic of other problems with this episode, but I'll come back to that later. I don't know. But basically, she had to take him back to Section gotcha. 31 because uh, Sarek's thought was they were the only people who would actually look after him. Well, mm. Section 31 was putting Spock through some sort of a mind sifter-esque device, trying right. to... Giorgio tells Michael that they're trying to unscramble him, but she believes that their means may be more nefarious. I don't know. Section 31, they seem like pretty tip-top guys. I don't know if they'd really be into the the devious sort of things that Michael suspects, but um, nonetheless, uh, she decides to get Spock and get the hell out of there, uh, which she does. Uh, We also learned that Leland, captain of the Section 31 vessel, uh, is being held in check by uh, Philippa Giorgio because she knows a thing that nobody else knew up until this point. And that is Leland is the one who is responsible for the death of Michael's biological parents. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. And also, uh, by the way, uh, Michael decides to run those numbers that Spock kept uh, babbling on about. And it turns out they are coordinates to the planet Talos Four, home of the Talosians from the episode weird. The Cage. Because Amanda said that she'd tried everything. She'd run those numbers, there's all sorts of things. And yet, she didn't go for coordinates, which... (laughs) You know what? Nine times out of ten... They're in the top five list. Yeah, somebody who's (laughs) babbling about numbers in Star Trek, chances are they're babbling about coordinates to some place. 
I was about to say, it's either coordinates or a star date, and the only other yeah. example of that is a Vulcan who was having a bit of a meltdown in Endgame. Tuvok <laughs> is babbling numbers. So, yeah. you know. She's, she's like, look, I tried birthdays, I tried lottery <laughs> tickets, I... <laughs> everything i can't i went and checked his luggage it wasn't even that yeah, i thought they were passwords for his gmail but no nothing. i checked grinder because you know i don't know what he does uh, maybe yeah no i just tried all the apps on his phone but nope oh my nothing. god i will love an episode of spock just going through grinder and just meeting people <laughs> i will love that Team i will spock. love that so much uh, I have I have seen less surprising things on Grinder yeah. over the years. I would like to see his profile, actually. What would he put in his bio? Well, I should be making one of those for him before the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> logical. That's it. Just says logical. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, uh, look, Vulcans do believe in infinite diversity and infinite combinations. So you know, Spock wants okay. to go on Grinder. Good for him. There's a few yeah. guys on Grinder who are like that too. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, two big reveals in this episode. Uh, Leland is, we are led to believe, responsible for the death of Michael's parents. And uh, we are heading to, uh, depending on how familiar you are uh, with with Star Trek, a very familiar place. If you're up on your unaired pilot of Star well, I mean, I guess it used to be unaired. I think they did air it. Uh, at one point in the 90s, uh, the cage. But for the most part, the unaired pilot, original pilot of of Star Trek. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and in the preview, I don't know if you guys get the preview on Netflix, Ben, for the next week, but uh, on CBS All Access, we do get the preview for next week, and they show... Did you see Butthead Aliens? They show the Telosians, yes. Yay! And they have their pulse... They actually don't look all that much different, and they have very pulsing heads, and apparently they show Michael... I think maybe like some of Spock's mind. Yeah. And maybe some of Spock's future or something even. Yeah. I don't remember, but um, I'm hoping that means we get a clip show of the original series and the Star Trek movies. Cause uh, that's what, that's what we need, but all played by this new Spock, not played by like not ar- archival footage. They just, I'm hoping they just dress this guy up. Uh, There's a couple of scenes with Quinto playing him. It's all very messed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, was the Discovery story here the B story? I thought so. They just got yeah. stuck in a time rift. They went in a Pike, went in a in a shuttle, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, you know what? We did miss one thing. The probe was again their own probe became futurized and became hostile towards them and turned into a squiddy from the Matrix. Uh, but mm-hmm. then it got into their computers and it hacked Arium or Arium. Yes. Mm. So she is now evil. But I think it's and it's the predator, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody had a uh, I can't. I'll have to find it later. Uh maybe when I get to my uh my thoughts on the episode, but there was a great little uh caption for the picture of of evil uh Arium. I'll have to I'll have to find it while Aurora is telling me what she thought about this week's episode of Discovery. <laughs> what did you think about it, Aurora? Um, it was okay. I mean, I don't know if it's just me or I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I don't know why this season I feel like I, I'm not interested in Michael Burnham <laughs> at all. Yeah. They did <laughs> a pretty good she... job of yeah, doing that, I would say. Right? Like I just 
I'm more interested in everything else that's happening. And when she's on screen, I'm like, oh, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Which is weird because she's a likable character as well. She's a, yes. Yes. I, I, I feel exactly the same way as that. I, yeah. Um, but I do. I did like some aspects. I mean, I, I continue to, as I continue to dislike Burnham for some reason, I continue to love Pike a lot. He's great. Yeah. He's so good. Um, and I like, I liked him a lot in this episode. Um, but I, the one thing that I really, really liked was, um, there's this moment where, uh, Sarek is talking to, uh, Spock's mom and she's, you know, confesses that she read Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. to Spock. Um, I love that how, a lot. How dare she? That human yeah. filth rag, whatever. <laughs> I was he upset? I mean, he married a human. <laughs> Exactly. Was she going to read him like the tenants of life? Was she just going to read him like Ciroc or something? Like, what? No. Like, she's a human being. I don't know what he was expecting here. He acted so sp- surprised. Like, right? He, it, it, he looked like he was just realizing she's human. Next, you're going to tell me your ears aren't pointed. Oh, my God, they aren't. Like, he just has no idea what happened. <laughs> you'd think you'd expect some of this um, but yeah, I, I liked how they tied you know uh, Spock's issues mm-hmm. and you know the reason why she read that book to him yep. um, I really liked that um, and like I said I liked the B story better Like I, I loved how the time rift looked like mm-hmm. the effects yes. they, they looked yeah. so cool um, I loved everything about that, um, but I'm just having that issue with, I don't know why I feel that way towards Burnham. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if maybe it's just because the other characters are becoming better. Yeah. And by default, she's looking mm-hmm. worse. I, I I don't know. I, I, have, I think it... I have my own theory as well. I kind of feel similar to you, but I think I know mm-hmm. why, but I'll touch okay. on it. I'll touch on it when I get to me. I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to step all over your your thoughts any further than I already have. So, okay. uh, continue. <laughs> no, that's it. I, I mean, okay. it was an okay episode. Um, I also found myself more interested in the uh, next episode. Yes. The, the preview, that looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> ben? Uh, yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, I think the only bit I haven't really sort of uh, touched upon beyond that was the um, relationship between Pike and um, uh, Klingon Fandango. Uh, he, he, I mean, that's uh, it. it the, the, I don't know what it is about Star Trek. It is such a trope, isn't it? It's if you go into a shuttle with someone, then mm. you're, you're going to have a deeper, meaningful. Yeah. I mean, these <laughs> yes. guys never just get on with their job, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, we yeah. saw it with um, Wesley and Picard. Like, mm-hmm. uh, God, that episode of Enterprise with Tucker and Malcolm. Like, mm-hmm. they, just, yeah. they just become blood brothers in that episode. Like, you just, you're locked in a small place in the vacuum of space. That's just what happens. You just, you share personal stories and you connect on a deeper emotional level, Ben. That's just, uh, it's reality, I think. <laughs> I guess. Go lock, yeah. your, uh, go lock yourself in a in a cellar with a stranger. 
and you'll learn all about them. <laughs> Yo, just go on a uh, road trip with someone. Yeah, yeah, you'll learn everything. <laughs> you see, that's, yeah, I think people are the worst. So whenever I've like spent prolonged periods of time. Headphones like, on. And it, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> in fact, worse, I don't even bother putting the headphones on. I just pretend I've got headphones on. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of passive aggressive now I think of it. But it really um, is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it was a needed part of the narrative because um, the the relationship between those two and between the, the kind of viewer and mm-hmm. Ash is such that we need to know whether we can begin to trust him or not. And mm-hmm. for the purposes of that conversation, I suppose we were Pike, weren't we? Um, and I, I quite I quite enjoyed that. I think... Um, but yeah, the, the overwhelming, overwhelming feeling of this episode was this kind of, all right, Okay. Yeah, um, I, I think the good thing about that is that Spock and the anticipation of Spock um, was such that when we encountered him, I didn't feel particularly thrown by him. Um, the the kind of transition images of him as a kid again with, I guess, kind of like Vulcan dyslexia. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it didn't feel so jarring as I thought it might. Mm. Um, I. I I suppose you can't. I suppose you can't kind of go too heavily over the top on an episode like that, where you're introducing probably the most mammoth character in the history of the show. Yeah. Um, because, and I say that rather than Kirk or anyone else, because if you ask someone to name a character from Star Trek, um, you know, Family Fortunes, you've got your top answer right there, haven't you? But yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I. I eh. But from everything I've read about next week's uh, show and all the sort of anticipation about that, this felt a bit like filler, but not in that kind of slightly annoying way that the last episode that we called filler was. This mm-hmm. felt like it was, you know, doing a bit of groundwork. I thought mm-hmm. probably actor of the episode award probably goes to, I forget the guy's name, the guy who plays Sarek. Um, oh, James Frayne. Yeah, he was the most Sarek, I think, uh, so far we've seen from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was uh, impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't yet know about our um, quasi android friend on the bridge, uh, Arium. Uh, yeah, I, that oddly enough, that character, even though we've seen very little of um, him or her, is still the thing I find most jarring about Discovery. But um, maybe that'll pass. Yeah, I mean, I still yeah. got this thing of like the first android in Starfleet is Data. So yeah. yeah, exactly. This clearly is like an and not an android. Like they already noted that she's a cybernetic enhanced person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've gone back and forth. As Ben and I were discussing last week, they've gone back and forth between whether or not it's a human or not. Uh, but they have agreed that it is a cyborg. So I guess it's not an android. But she seems very android-like. Yeah, she doesn't and, seem to have any emotions. So I wouldn't think that correct. she has any human components. And by the way, that lovely caption I found with uh, Arium with the red eyes read, sorry, sir, when I said kill all humans, I meant all systems nominal, Uh, (laughs) which would have been a great line in the episode. But (laughs) system status, Arium, kill all humans. Pardon? (laughs) I mean, I mean, all systems nominal. Oh, that's what I thought she said. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Nothing to pay attention to there, everybody. Back to your jobs. Uh, So, yeah, I am with you guys. I thought this was an okay episode. 
to what level of okay, we will find out when we get to the scores, but uh, mm-hmm. what the variance is on okay. But I also thought uh, it was okay. Uh, I feel like you, Aurora, about Michael this season. I don't hate her, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a lot of interest in her, which is weird. She's still clearly supposed to be the main character of the show. Right. Uh, but for a couple of reasons, I don't think she's really working for me this season. Uh, one is one of the reasons I've actually stated quite a few times on the podcast already is that she is tied into the least interesting story thread mm. they have going. I think I'm still way more invested in this red angel mystery, which mm-hmm. at this point Spock feels at best, like a tertiary, like he's just attached to it because he knew about it and he went searching for it. But to me, that's the big mystery. I don't really care about Spock. I don't really care about Michael and Spock's relationship, largely mm-hmm. because I didn't know there was one until this show became a thing. Right. Uh, and it's kind of like a jarring additional retcon type thing to the history of the show. And I don't have much of an attachment to it as such. And I'm just not that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not helping my enjoyment of her. The other thing is... Uh, I think, I don't know what kind of part, part of this isn't really, uh, well, it is how, how they're treating her character. I think they should just make her captain already. I know that the idea of this wasn't to do like another captain led show. They wanted to do it from a different perspective, but as people have been pointing out here, uh, she is essentially the captain. Like Pike will do stuff when Michael says to do them. Like, if she says it's a good idea, he's like, oh, it's a good idea. And then he goes along with her. But, and people have tried to explain it like, well, he's not, he's like the interim captain and he knows the shit better. And I'm like, that's not how it works. I watched that. He's like a locum captain. I watched that episode. uh, That episode of Next Gen is seared into my mind when Captain Edward Jellicoe took over for Picard when he gets captured and tortured by the uh, Mm -hmm. Cardassians. And that dude took over the ship. He did not give a shit what Riker said. He didn't care how they did it. I'm the captain now, as that guy famously said in a meme, and I believe also a movie with Tom Hanks. And (laughs) he is like, here's what we're doing, and here's how we're doing it, and this is how it's done. And that's how it was done. Now, maybe Pike is a little more relaxed or laid back than Captain Edward Jellicoe was, but even then, like, it seems... Like, Michael is the captain, and Pike is just there for his name recognition. They just make Michael the captain, guys. Like, yeah. it's okay if yeah. she's the captain. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I buy her quite as captain, though, because although she makes a lot of the decisions and mm-hmm. um, kind of, you know, drives a lot of what they do and is yes. the voice in the ear of um, of Pike, I I think I'd buy Saru more as a captain. Because yeah, I was just see- about to say that, too. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah, she doesn't seem to be very, very leadery. No, she has way more of like the Riker first officer esque tendencies than, than a captain tendencies, I guess. But mm. because of the way they're writing her, she might as well be the captain. So just make her that already, please. Because otherwise, it's just weird that she essentially feels like the captain, but the real captain is kind of just sitting there going like, "Whatever you say, first officer." It's just weird. Right. I it's it's just strange and I know that it's happening because she's supposed to be the main character and the main character drives the story but in Star Trek on a starship the captain drives what 
happens to the crew and on the ship. Yeah. Like, you know, but they, you know, they in the first season, hole, I think in the first season she was not the captain, right? And right. We, we had a very strong captain in Georgiou. Like she was a great character and as Lorca. A captain. Yeah, and Lorca. But I was still interested in her because the story was centered around her. But I think that in this season, they've made everything about Spock and they've mm -hmm. removed the spotlight from her. Like they made her story. So now instead of being just Michael Burnham, she's just Spock's sister. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Do you, and think that's that was what... the, do you think that was the key? Because I thought you were going to say the story is about the Red Angel. But... I, I but wonder in, if but in a way, the Red Angel is connected to Spock. Yes. So, I think yeah. maybe their intention was to create this mystery that revolves around Spock and that Spock and Michael are like the big thing this season. But the mystery is too interesting. That's what I'm yep. that's what I care about. Like, right. Who is this future human slash humanoid spacesuit Iron Man guy going through time and directing them to what end what is happening here mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. what i'm curious about i i just don't care i mean the guy who plays spock was good and well uh i liked him in this episode for what little he kind of did uh I, I, there's nothing wrong with it but there's also just nothing to it that i'm like i can't wait to find out if michael and spock mend their relationship i, I don't right. care like, right. <laughs> let's tell me more about this angel thing. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't be excited about nostalgia, but I'm more excited to just go to Talos and see the butthead aliens, you know, and <laughs> see their weird pulsing brain things. Like, you know, I hope they have some of those weird ass animals in the cages still. Like, that's what I'm curious about. Does their, does their secret mountain passage door still look like really cheaply made 1960s styrofoam? Like, I, I need to know <laughs> the answer. an overblown strings theme when a pretty lady turns up? <laughs> yes. I mean, it happened there before. I don't know. Yes. Do they still enjoy a picnic? I mean, who even knows? That's what we Is she know. still there? Like, I need to mm. know if any of this happens. <laughs> Is she still hanging yeah. out? Is she still gorgeous? Uh, as people pointed out, by the way, because this show... I think we got a little screw. This show does take place 10 years before TOS, but it does take place a couple of years after Talos. I think uh, after, after the cage, yeah. I think. Uh -huh. uh, so the cage yeah. has happened and people have pointed out like Talos was supposed to be marked as like a, you can't go there under the penalty of death because there's that whole episode of TOS where Spock takes cage or Pike back there. And yeah. they're like, you can't go there under penalty of death. And she looks it up, and they're just like, oh, it's this planet, and Michael's never heard of it either, which is feasible. It's possible to not know the name of every single planet. But, it's classified. But that an alert can't, did not come up or something, that's like, you can't go here under penalty of death. People are like, wait a minute. I thought they said that it could have just been an easily overlooked thing as well. But <laughs> uh, you know how Star Trek fans be. They uh, <laughs> they look for their nits to pick, and they, they found them. Uh but largely, yeah, I was surprised that the things that were happening on Discovery was the B plot. Although it's not terribly surprising, considering this is supposed to be a Michael Burnham lead show, so that most of it followed around her. But at times, the show doesn't do that. Sometimes they don't focus solely on her. So it, it felt a little weird that everything happening on the ship was the was the side story, but. Right. For the most part, this episode was not much for me past its reveals. 
um, which are just teases for future episode content. So overall, yeah. I thought it was okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, before we do the scores and stuff, uh, let's thank the fine sponsors for this show, Adam Tickets, cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fans in your life. Uh, score Aurora for, what, what was this called? Light and Shadows, I think this episode was called. <laughs> Excellent. It was, it was, in fact, called Light and Shadows. This, this, just, uh, this episode was just there for me, everyone. <laughs> um, before I give my score, I, wa- I wanted to mention one thing. Mm. Um, I did like that you... You see, like a very—I don't know. I mean, for me, it was subtle, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys think it's subtle, but I saw a very subtle change in Saru um, mm. when you know the captain disappears in a time rift, and they're trying to figure out everybody. Everybody yeah. in the de- in the deck was freaking out. Yes, and he was the only one that was cool and collected, and he directed everybody to do you know what they should do. Um, and I like that detail. Now. Yeah, right. Another point to Ben. As Saru right. as captain, yes, he uh, but he was, but he also doesn't have any fear now, right? Yeah, yeah. he's gone. So it's it's I like that subtlety of you know seeing his change mm-hmm. of not having fear and having you know being the one that's cool and collected when in a moment of panic. Yes, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna give this episode oh, oh, three point five. <laughs> okay. I would say that's generous. Okay. <laughs> uh, ben, what about you? Uh, I'm also going three and a half, uh, okay. but the reason it gets like the extra quarter of a point from what it might do otherwise is the fight scene between Burnham and Georgie. Oh, uh, it's, worth, it's worth a quarter of a point on its own. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Well, Giorgio let them yes. go, right? She sort of said, make it look good or something. And then they fight. The raised eyebrow as she lets her through the door after she uh, yes. shoots her in the shoulder was uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben's convinced me moderately to give this episode three and a quarter. <laughs> I didn't. I was going to give it a three, but I re- thank you for reminding me of the very good fight scene with Michael and Giorgio. Probably not the last one of those that they're ever going to have. I would. Mm-hmm. I would wager this feels like it could be a, a bit of a lifelong uh, relationship struggle that they have. Uh, before we take off, Ben, did you catch the second half of the Orville's two-parter? I did, uh, of which the first ten minutes were pretty damn dire for some reason. I don't quite know what happened there. Uh, but then there Crazy, after, right? That, that episode is 48 minutes long. 38 minutes of it are the best TV sci-fi I think we're going to see this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was fantastic. and Then the end, yeah, they mean, went their predictable route, but... Oh yeah, 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 but that's you know that's that's the type of um, the type of Star Trek in inverted commas that they're doing. Uh, it was it was fantastic. Um, I the the Orville are absolutely storming it this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And kudos to uh, whoever works on the visual effects for that show because this show mm. was effects driven in that episode. Oh yeah like massive fleets of ships, huge battles, like just craziness. Uh, and you're right. They did a lot of, did not expect so much death to happen at the beginning of that two, the second <laughs> half of that two-parter. Uh, but yeah, there's a, somebody says that there's a, an episode of Star Trek out there for every episode of 
the Orville, and I'm pretty sure this two-parter was that two-parter where Data goes and joins Lore when Lore has his own Borg group. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what this oh, yeah. was modeled after, and Data eventually becomes good, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so they went the more predictable route uh, at the end. Uh, I guess they didn't want to stray th- this show into too dark of territory. Uh, I'm like, oh man, they could, if they wanted to, get really ballsy and just make this like just really awful. But uh, they didn't. They walked right up to the edge uh, and then brought it back into you know where you would expect the show to go. I liked mm-hmm. it, though. This has been a great season. Uh, if people aren't watching it, especially if you were turned off a little bit by some of the the amount of jokiness in the first season, which they did level off by the end of that season. Uh, this yeah. new season, far, far, far less. It's really more of a straight-up sci-fi Star Trek homage show uh, at this point. And it's excellent. I would highly recommend. Yeah. Uh Okay, so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, head on over to the website to check out the archives of the show. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit subscribe, and that way you can hear us come back next week talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 8. It's called If Memory Serves. Mm-hmm.